Hi, and welcome to this week's LGBT Wellness Podcast. Each week, LGBT HealthLink, a program of Centerlink, brings you a roundup of some of the biggest LGBTQ wellness stories from the past week. Get ready to listen and learn lots. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another edition of the LGBT Wellness Roundup. As always, if you are interested in learning more about any of the stories that I'm about to discuss, you can go to blog.lgbthealthlink.org where you will find a written version of the roundup with links to all of the stories. Now let's jump in with our first piece of the week, prep works while you vacation. U.S. News reported on a new option for using prep to prevent HIV infection, which some are calling vacation prep. This is where patients take the pill before, during, and after a trip to prevent HIV infection. This might be a good option for those who are generally at lower risk for HIV infection, but who expect to be more sexually active during a vacation. Researchers who kind of studied this as an option found that not only was it effective, but also that it led to a lot of patients deciding that they were going to permanently stay on PrEP and use it even after their trip. So, you know, kind of goes to show that sometimes what happens on vacation uh, does come home with you. And this is an example of kind of picking up a good habit and deciding that maybe, you know, it wasn't as as difficult or scary or, um, you know, whatever the, the reason was someone may have had for not trying PrEP before that this kind of motivated them to to stay on it. And for other people, you know, they go on vacation, they come back, they stop, and it's still effective for, you know, preventing HIV transmission during that trip. Next up, contraception use concerning among bi women. A study led by Lauren Porsche found that women who had any attraction to other women were more likely to have used contraception um, of any kind than women who were attracted only to men. The bad news is that bisexual identified women aged 15 to 25 and women with both male and female partners aged 26 to 35 both had higher rates of low efficacy methods of contraception. So in other words, you know, bisexual women, either bisexual identified or or bisexual in behavior, they overall had higher rates of contraception. But when we actually look at specific groups um, of different ages and identities, we find that a lot of this additional contraception use that kind of made their overall use higher were from low efficacy methods. So researchers say that this is concerning because it could mean that that these women have a higher rate of um, unintended pregnancy despite, you know, trying to use contraception and and trying to, um, to prevent pregnancy. And our next story, creating a SOGI nursing toolkit. A study led by Marianne Luxtar Flood examined the creation of a sexual orientation and gender identity nursing toolkit to help fill knowledge gaps regarding LGBT patients for nursing students. The toolkit includes a website, a quiz used to identify one's own personal biases, lessons on cultural humility, and learning modules on priority topics. The process used to design the toolkit is explained in detail in the study, and that could be used to develop similar resources for other groups of health professionals, many of whom do not have um, access to basic LGBT education, certainly not mandatory LGBT health education, um, wherever they are, are studying or doing continuing education for their field. In our next story, Remote HIV Intervention Less Effective. Researchers led by Sylvie Narr studied the effectiveness of community health worker interventions for youth living with HIV. 
they found that the service was less effective when conducted remote or at home compared to when delivered at a clinic in a more traditional setting. Those who received clinic-based services had better viral load results after one year and also saw a decrease in alcohol use that those who were receiving home-based services did not see. I think this is an especially interesting study today in light of the COVID-19 pandemic where an increasing number of services are being made remote or, you know, somehow conducted at home. And that's great in a lot of ways for accessibility. But this is also kind of a warning signal that, you know, we do lose something by not um, having services delivered in a clinic where people are connected to other forms of medical care, where there's more supervision, where people are, you know, just kind of passing through and, and see, you know, ads for, for different um, new ways of preventing um, infection. They see condoms, you know, they, there's just some, some benefits that apparently are tied to clinical delivery of these services. And we have to make sure that we're thinking about all of that and replicating all of that when we're kind of moving towards a more telemedicine um, environment. Next up, challenges for homeless LGBT youth. The Advocate reported on ongoing efforts to protect LGBT youth experiencing homelessness as challenges persist despite some progress having been made in states to ban housing discrimination against LGBT folks. Mistreatment in shelters remains very common and protections from the federal government were recently erased. While many LGBT youth um, are choosing to sleep in the streets rather than make use of what limited resources are available because they, they don't feel welcome or safe there. And finally, to end the week on a little bit more of an upbeat note, new season of Song Begins. WKBW reported on how the show has gone on for the Buffalo Gay Men's Chorus with proper public health measures in place. When they were told that they could only perform together if they wore masks, uh, engaged in social distancing, and had a top-notch ventilation system wherever they were performing, this group took their performances online. Now they're starting to hold rehearsals and even auditions for new members in parking lots so that they can keep their distance while still showing their pride. I picked out the story just because I thought that it was fun. Um, and, you know, this is something that we've seen happening a lot throughout the pandemic is, is groups kind of adapting. I think now that we know more about how transmission occurs and um, kind of what's safe in an outdoor space, you know, people are, are beginning to explore that more. And in general, I think that this kind of thing is so important for mental health, for community connectedness. And as this pandemic kind of drags on, um, you know, we can't just wait until it's over to reconnect with our community, to engage in um, self-care and think about our, our mental and emotional well-being. So I thought this was a great story just to highlight some of that. All right, well, that concludes another week of our LGBT Wellness Roundup. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you will subscribe to the podcast if you are not already and tune in next week for another edition. As always, if you want to check out any of the stories that I've discussed, you can go to blog.lgbthealthlink.org.